Section 15 of Eugene Onegin by Alexander Pushkin. Translated by Henry Spaulding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Canto the Eighth. The Great World. 1. In Lyceum's noiseless shade, as in a garden when I grew, I, Apelius, gladly read, but would not look at Cicero. T'was then in valleys lone, remote, in springtime, Heard the signet's note by water shining tranquilly, That first the muse appeared to me. Into the study of the boy there came a sudden flash of light, The muse revealed her first delight, Sang childhood's pastimes and its joy, Glory with which our history teems And the heart's agitated dreams. Two, and the world met her smilingly, at first success light pinions gave, the old Derjavine noticed me, and blessed me, sinking to the grave. Then my companion young with pleasure in the unfettered hours of leisure her utterances ever heard, and by a partial temper stirred and boiling o'er with friendly heat, they first of all my brow did wreathe, and an encouragement did breathe that my coy muse might sing more sweet. O oh, triumphs of my guileless days! How sweet a dream your memories raise! 3. Passion's wild sway I then allowed, Her promptings unto law did make, Pursuits I followed of the crowd, My sportive muse I used to take To many a noisy feast and fight, Terror of guardians of the night. And wild festivities among she brought with her the gift of song. Like a bacante in her sport beside the cup she sang her rhymes, And the young revellers of pastimes vociferously paid her court. And I, amid the friendly crowd, of my light paramour was proud. 4. But I abandoned their array, and fled afar, she followed me. How oft the kindly muse away hath wild the road's monotony, Entranced me by some mystic tale. How oft beneath the moonbeams pale, Like Leonora did she ride with me Caucasian rocks beside. How oft to the Crimean shore she led me through nocturnal mist Unto the sounding sea to list. Where Nerides murmur evermore, And where the billows hoarsely raise To God eternal hymns of praise. Five. Then, the far capital forgot, Its splendor and its blandishments In poor Moldovia cast her lot, She visited the humble tents Of migratory gypsy hordes, And wild among them grew her words. Our godlike tongue she could exchange For savage speech, uncouth and strange, And ditties of the steppe she loved. But suddenly all changed around. Lo! In my garden she was found, and as a country damsel roved, A pensive sorrow in her glance, and in her hand a French romance. 6. Now for the first time I, my muse, lead into good society. Her step-like beauties I peruse with jealous fear, anxiety. Through dense, aristocratic rows of diplomats, and warlike bows and supercilious dames she glides, sits down and gazes on all sides, 
amazed at the confusing crowd, variety of speech and vests, deliberate approach of guests who to the youthful hostess bowed, and the dark fringe of men, like frames enclosing pictures of fair dames. 7. Assemblies oligarchical please her by their decorum fixed, the rigor of cold pride and all titles and ages intermixed. But who in that choice company with clouded brow stands silently? Unknown to all he doth appear. A vision desolate and drear doth seem to him the festal scene. Doth his brow wretchedness declare, or suffering pride? Why is he there? Who may he be? Is it Eugene? Pray, is it he? It is the same. And is it long since back he came? 8. Is he the same, or grown more wise? Still doth the misanthrope appear? He has returned. Say, in what guise? What is his latest character? What doth he act? Is it Melmoth, philanthropist or patriot? Child Harold, Quaker, devotee, or other mask donned playfully? Or a good fellow for the nonce? Like you and me and all the rest? But this is my advice. T'were best not to behave as he did once, Society he duped now. Is he known to you? Yes, and no. 9. Wherefore regarding him express perverse, unfavorable views? Is it that human restlessness forever carps, condemns, pursues? Is it that ardent souls of flame by reckless amuse or shame selfish nonentities around? That mind which yearns for space is bound? And that too oft we receive professions eagerly for deeds? That crass stupidity misleads? That we by cant ourselves deceive? That mediocrity alone without disgust we look upon? 10. Happy he who in youth was young, Happy who timely grew mature, He whose life frosts, which early rung, Hath gradually learnt to endure. By visions who was ne'er deranged, Nor from the mob polite estranged, At twenty who was prig or swell, At thirty who was married well, At fifty who relief obtained From public and from private ties, Who glory, wealth and dignities hath tranquilly in turn attained and unto whom we all allude as to a worthy man and good eleven but sad is the reflection made in vain was youth by us received that we her constantly betrayed and she at last hath us deceived that our desires which noblest seemed the purest of the dreams we dreamed have one by one all withered grown like rotten leaves by autumn strown tis fearful to anticipate naught but of dinners a long row to look on life as on a show eternally to imitate the seeming crowd partaking not its passions and its modes of thought the butt of scandal having been tis dreadful 
ye agree, I hope, to pass with reasonable men for a fictitious misanthrope, a visionary mortified or monster of satanic pride, or e'en the demon of my strain. Onegin, take him up again. In duel having killed his friend and reached, with not his mind to engage, the twenty-sixth year of his age, wearied of leisure in the end, without profession, business, wife, he knew not how to spend his life. 13. Him a disquietude did seize, a wish from place to place to roam, a very troubling disease, in some a willing martyrdom. Abandoned he his country seat, of woods and fields the calm retreat, where every day before his eyes a blood-bespattered shade would rise, and aimless journeys did commence, but still remembrance to him clings, his travels, like all other things, inspired but weariness intense. Returning, from his ship amid a ball he fell, as Trotsky did. 14. Behold, the crowd begins to stir, a whisper runs along the hall, a lady draws the hostess near, behind her a grave general. Her manners were deliberate, reserved, but not inanimate. Her eyes no saucy glance address, there was no angling for success. Her features no grimaces bleared, of affectation innocent, calm and without embarrassment, a faithful model she appeared of Comelfont. Shiskov, forgive, I can't translate the adjective. 15. Ladies in crowds around her close. Her with a smile old women greet. The men salute with lower bows and watch her eyes full glance to meet. Maidens before her meekly move along the hall, and high above the crowd doth head and shoulders rise the general who accompanies. None could her beautiful declare, yet viewing her from head to foot, none could a trace of that impute which in the elevated sphere of London life is vulgar called and ruthless fashion hath blackballed. 16. I like this word exceedingly, although it will not bear translation. With us tis quite a novelty not in high general estimation. T'would serve ye in an epigram. But turn we once more to our dam. Enchanting, but unwittingly, at table she was sitting by the brilliant Nina Vronsky, the Neva's Cleopatra, and none the conviction could withstand that Nina's marble symmetry, though dazzling its effulgence white, could not eclipse her neighbor's light. 17. And is it, meditates Eugene, and is it she? It must be. No. How? From the waste of steps unseen. And the eternal lorgnette through frequent and rapid doth his gaze seek the forgotten countenance familiar to him long ago. Inform me, prince, pray dost thou know the lady in the crimson cap, who with the Spanish envoy speaks? The prince's eye Onegin seeks. Ah, long the world hath missed thy shape, but stop, I will present thee, if thou choose, 
But who is she? My wife. 18. So thou art wed? I did not know. Long ago? Tis the second year. To... Larina. Tatiana? So, and dost thou know her? We live near. Then come with me. The prince proceeds, his wife approaches, with him leads his relative and friend as well. The lady's glance upon him fell, and though her soul might be confused, and vehemently though amazed she on the apparition gazed, no signs of trouble her accused. A mien unaltered she preserved, her bow was easy, unreserved. 19. Ah, no, no faintness her attacked, nor sudden turn she red or white. Her brow she did not e'en contract, nor yet her lip compressed did bite. Though he surveyed her at his ease, not the least trace Onegin sees of the Tatiana of times fled. He conversation would have led, but could not. Then she questioned him. Had he been here long, and where from? Straight from their province had he come. Cast upwards then her eyeballs dim unto her husband. Went away. Transfixed Onegin mind doth stay. 20. Is this the same Tatiana, say, Before whom once in solitude, In the beginning of this lay, Deep in the distant province rude, Impelled by zeal for moral worth, He salutary rules poured forth, the maid whose note he still possessed, Wherein the heart its vows expressed, Where all upon the surface lies, That girl, but he must dreaming be, That girl whom once on a time He could in a humble sphere despise, Can she have been a moment gone, Thus haughty, careless in her tone? End of section 15